Hi Grapesters, this is Barry Marino. This week we start in a new series, which will probably be about once a month, once every other month, called Classic Open Shutters, where we repost an episode from a previous season. This week we'll be posting Unholy Matrimony, Sam Corey, Jim Giesick, and the tragic death of Patricia Giesick. And what started as a routine hit-and-run in New Orleans in 1974, when all the pant layers of the onions appealed back, it unveiled a very, very evil murder plot. So sit back, or drive, or whatever you do when you listen to us, and enjoy Unholy Matrimony. Hello, Creepers and Creepazoids. I'm Barry Marino. And I'm Philip Landry. And this, this is, is Open Shutters! Shutters. Scary ghost, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> hey, friends. How you guys doing tonight? Hey, Phil, what's up? I'm doing good. Hey, welcome back. I know. I have a little stint in the hospital, but I'm back. Oh, you know what? Let me tell you, it was horrible trying to do a show by myself. <laughs> I just, you can't do banter by yourself. True. And I, and I miss, I miss y'all a lot. I miss, I was, I was holding on to getting out so I could come record this one. I really did miss last week. It oh. made me, made me sad, but I'm here today. I just couldn't wait to record this one. Anyway, um, how's everything going with you? I'm doing much, much better. They got a lot in order, and they've gave me a lot of help. So, oh, wonderful! Thank goodness wonderful. to our frontline workers and our and our doctors and nurses and other hospital staff out there for helping so much. Okay, the first order of business that I want to do is I want to mention some deaths that happened since our last show. Uh, David Lander, you remember he was Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley? Yeah, yeah, he died on what day was this? Uh, it was, uh, he was 73 years old, and I should have this date in my notes, shouldn't I? But should. I don't. <laughs> hey, I don't, okay? <laughs> he did die this week. Well, <laughs> anyway, he died last week, but he died on June, uh, well, he was born on June 22nd, 1947. And him and Michael Lander, who, also, who played Lanny, they actually were a comedy team before Laverne and Shirley. There's a little picture right there. But he died on December 5th. Of um, multiple cirrhosis, he had MS. Mm. So anyway, rest in peace, Dave Squiggy, David Landy, David Lander. Let me get to sure I get this right. All right, next one I want to mention is Carol Sutton. Did you know Carol Sutton? She's a local actress, but she's been in a lot of movies. She passed away of COVID. That's what they said was yeah the COVID. And uh, she was in Steel Magnolias, Queen of Sugar, Lovecraft Country. And I believe she was in The Help, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me out there if I'm wrong. Uh, she was 77 years old. And I knew her, and she was one of the nicest ladies that you ever want to meet and a terrific actress. And you know, she, she could have she moved to Hollywood and had a career. But she loved New Orleans so much, she stayed here. Home is home. Yeah. 
And the last death is Charlie Pride. You know who he is, huh? He's the um, he was the first African American country music like star. One and he was the first African American movie uh, country music star, and he he died last week. He transformed country yeah. music. Yeah, too. he did. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have who's some of the other the guy from from. Um, Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, Darius Rucker. Yeah, he yeah, became yeah. he became um, a country. Oh yeah, star Charlie Pride definitely influenced his career. Yeah. yeah. Also of COVID, we lost Charlie Pride yep, from COVID. Charlie Pride was also COVID. All right, we got the deaths out of the way. Now I want to do a shout out to some of our new friends. We got some new friends. Yes. Because we're on social media now, and I'm going to get to that as soon as I watch I, out. Or <laughs> all right, I I met uh, Mike Dean. He's he has the podcast called Son of a Witch, which is a podcast you would like. He's like a third or fourth generation witch, and he does all his podcasts on different types of spells and stuff like that. Oh, we love Gre- that cool metaphysical things. He's even talked to me about maybe one of us doing a guest spot on his show and him doing a guest spot on ours. That would be pretty cool. Oh, excellent. Think? And then there's Rebecca, Rebecca Rosewood of uh, Thrice Curse. Really good, really sweet young lady, good podcast. And then there's One Woman's Opinion by Lydia Ortez, which is also really good. She's, it's, it's pretty much a feminist bot podcast with a feminist sort of um, spin to it. Oh, and Lydia's wonderful. Oh, yeah, she gave us a wonderful Excellent review. Excellent a review on um, on on Apple Podcast, and I had it right here. I want to read it, and it kind of disappeared from my phone. <laughs> Ain't that a bag of you? Whatever. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. Where was where was this? I know how to find it. So anyway, uh, what did you do this week after you got out? Anything special? Uh, just taking it easy. Still, just still a little bit of re- recovery, but you're doing doing a whole hell of a lot better. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I um, I was lost without you. I gotta say, I did that the drive-in one, and it was okay. You thought you thought you were lost. You should have seen my poor cat for the last few days. Oh, I'm sure he, he has was. been whining. He has been cuddling. He's been acting as if the whole oh, world had ended. Poor baby. He is so precious. Mm. Poor baby. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, and, and Curtis was going over there and, and feed them and everything. And yes, took thank good care Curtis. Of Curtis is a saint. Ah, here she is. Here it is. Okay. Oh, we found the review. Yeah, we found Lydia's review. Okay, here it is. It's, it's, this is on, on uh, Google, on Apple Podcasts. It's love it. What can I say? LOL, well, a lot. Love the host. Had me cracking up. Love the horoscope. Not giving anything away. And I'm a Capricorn, and I loved mine. Just love listening to them and how they compliment each other and how they tell a story and give their own spin on it. Also, great research and and info. I know they are just starting out, but keep an eye on them. Subscribe, listen, and leave a kind review. Lydia from One Woman's Opinion Podcast. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you so much, Lydia. That was wonderful. We love you, Lydia, for this. All right. Are you ready to do your... um, We got a good show tonight, but today's... um, our today's title is Unholy Matrimony, Sam Curry, Jim Giesick, and the Senseless Murder of Patricia Giesick. And that's pretty good. We're going to get to that later. But first, Philip's going to do his horoscopes. Oh, we have our weekly horoscopes for oh, y'all. Oh, yeah. I hope y'all are getting ready. All of this is going to help y'all get prepared for winter since winter solstice definitely is approaching and is next week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we're leading up to that. 
Aries. Stab, stab, stab the night away. Oh, it's Lord. time to listen to that inner voice saying to slay the next job interview or maybe your next victim. It is all the same anyhow. Nonetheless, all this rage could still leave you with a headache or nausea. But look on the bright side. Your bloodbath could conveniently line up with your winter solstice ritual. Oh, bloodbath. Hey, you gotta have a little bloodbath for, for winter solstice, oh, right? Oh, no, bloodbath. That's so Elizabeth Battery. Well, human, sac human sacrifice is sometimes necessary. Uh, well, I know some humans I like to sacrifice, but I'm not going <laughs> to bet you I'm here. Taurus! My the Taurus bow, people, yes. Glad you found time to get even more creative with your so-called recreational activities, both during the start of winter and a surge in the pandemic. Even so, you might want to get a COVID test. Since clearly oh. you have no idea where the monster under your bed, whom is actually now chained to it, oh. was within the last 14 days. Oh, I don't like monsters under the bed. Yeah, enjoy the monster like your martini. Dirty and unsanitized. Well, I like that martini's dirty with extra olives. <laughs> that was good. You know, you know the conventional wisdom of a martini. What? What? Tell One us. is not enough, but three is too many. This is true. So I always order one, sip, 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 second, sip, 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 and a lot of olives. There you go. Mm. All right, Gemini people. Run, bitch, run. The inner recesses of your mind are making you feel like you are being chased. Probably because you are. Through the, yeah, probably so. Through the cold, dark forest by a cloaked and hooded figure. Oh. Don't trip. Keep running. That frozen lake you just stepped on while trying to skate seems peaceful. Well, let's just say the ice is thin. Oh. Have fun drowning as you die from hypothermia. Oh. Don't, don't worry. There'll be time to warm up in hell. Oh, good Lord. That's not a good one. Uh, things, are gonna, things will get better yeah. for Gemini. This is like kind of the, the guy go through a little Wouldn't more roughness. you know anybody that's Gemini? Well, I have my moon in Gemini, so but I but I do know some other people that actually are. I think your roommate William. Well, yeah, William's kind of almost kind of like our Roz, I think. Cause he, he is. He yeah. is. <laughs> He's gonna be our Roz, like Fraser's Roz, you know. All right. Well, here here we have arrived at Cancer. Oh, that's me. I know one you, of them. Yes. Be cautious, but have that rendezvous with those sailors from the ghost ship. Ooh, sailors. They just docked onto the frosty pier of your life, ready to have a good time. Wait a minute, they're from a ghost ship. Are they like all skeleton-y looking? Well, no, it's, they're just going to be like kind of, you know, like the ether. You might get a little ectoplasm on you. you know oh, they got ether. They got just this whiff of them knocks me out. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, we, well, you know, it depends on what they do, right? Okay. Things might be getting colder, but the cruise to nowhere is still lit for now as the mist approaches. Party while you can. Soon it may be hard to plan anything when you can't see three feet in front of yourself. That's driving at night in New Orleans with the fog. You can't see three <laughs> feet in front of yourself. I just want to know something. If I'm going to be partying and having all kinds of fun with these sailors from the ghost <laughs> ship... Well, and really, should you have been should you have been drinking and driving at that point? Since they don't have any flesh, is it still considered the sin of the flesh, or is it a sin of the ether? I mean, yeah, it's definitely not a sin of the flesh. So yeah, well, so that. that means I can do all anything I want with these skeletons, 
And I only have to go to confession and confess a sin to the flesh. I guess not. Oh. Wow. What, what All right, that? I like that. Okay, that works. <laughs> Leo, my Leo people. Like a snow leopard, you might have to feast one. on that flash-frozen mountain climber that was prepared just for you in time. Uh, you were getting a little hungry. Sounds like a Donna party thing. <laughs> right? Make sure to find you a little hiding spot on these steep cliffs of life, or you might get blindsided by a Yeti looking for his own meal. Uh. Just ignore the howling wind like the rest of the drama going on. Take care of yourself. Because nobody else will. <sighs> Virgo. Okay, it's a little better for y'all this week, Virgos, but be prepared. Look at you trying to keep your own personal underworld warm by the fire. The house is lonely, the blizzard is hard, and something is outside scratching on the cabin door. Oh, good lord. Let it in, please. You need something to entertain your pent-up desires. I would Anyhow, not let it in. What's the worst way? What's the worst that could happen? Oh, murdered and eaten. Well, Virgos, open your home and open your guts. Oh, Lord. I guess we are open shutters, so open <laughs> your shutters, too. <laughs> Those very personal shutters, right? Yeah, really. Libra. Looks like you might need to get in the last soiree before things dry up. The supply of fresh blood still has time to reach your foreboding castle within a one to two day delivery window. Use that same cellar where you are storing your secret early supply of the vaccine. How you got to the front of the line with all the restrictions and regulations is a mystery. But at least you are ready to be hibernated and vaccinated. Whoa, okay. Hibernation, vaccination, that sounds like a recipe for nice health. Lucky bastards. Yeah. Scorpio! Uh, my fellow Scorpios. Was that the breeze blowing in from the cold front to move the planchette on the board? Oh. No. It was more likely the shadows you brought back from the asylum when you decided to stay in the isolation room. Those spirits are so romantic sometimes when they call you on the Ouija. Oh. Have you ever called spirits on the Ouija? Oh, I plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Okay, that's probably the best thing. <laughs> okay. Well, they seem to want to stay around and you're right. more than obliged to not say goodbye. Dark times call for even darker help. I did call a spirit on Ouija. I called Bella Lagos. And you got that darker help? <laughs> Now I'll call Bella Lugosi and the curtain blew open. <laughs> While on true story. I told somebody about that one time. They said, Bella Lugosi, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, alive or dead. <laughs> oh, Sagittarius. You are meeting every challenge this week that is set before you and killing it. That includes any unbeknownst trespassers with your state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line, Crossbow. That's stand your ground. Yeah, it's stand your ground, yeah. You seem to relish in their unfortunate mistake to set foot on your property. Also, you are perfecting your latest artist skills of splattering blood on snow. As you collect each maimed victim, you feel as if they are new trophies to be mounted on the wall. 
<laughs> I guess that'll make it nice and festive for the holidays, you know. Yeah. Have these trophies mounted on the yeah. wall. Yeah. Give it that nice gentility and stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, Capricorns. Getting the job done. This is Lydia, isn't she? Said she was Capricorn. Yeah, she said she's Capricorn. This yeah. is this is out. This is out for Come you, on, Lydia. Lydia. This is you. Getting the job done as you head to your smokehouse shed with a bloody axe in one hand and a bleeding torso in the other. You are definitely prepared for the weeks ahead and seem to have more smoked and stored than others. Don't forget your friends and break a piece off for them as well. Any spare fingers and toes left hanging around after prep could be used in a nice, crunchy meat pie. Aquarius. When you say you are observing the lights, please clarify whether it is the Aurora Borealis or your friends from outer space communicating. I'm sure after the abduction and subsequent probing on the mothership, you will tell us all about it. Besides those friends, your ability to communicate with night owls is getting a bit creepy. Your neighbors will start noticing. For those farther out in the sticks, continue on with your nocturnal counsel. And finally, Pisces. Can't forget our lovely Pisces people. Those fish. Gotta love them. You seem to believe you can capture the Rugaru. Which, for those who aren't from Louisiana, it's a local story of the Rougarou. It's basically a guess way to describe it. It's it's kind of like sort of in werewolf kind of legend. Yeah, well, that's uh, yeah, yeah. That's what um, George Rodriguez was trying to paint when he did the Blue Dog. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, if you keep citing it in the lost fields to be harvested, I say just just don't try to capture it. This is not a neighborhood feral cat you're trying to help. Every time you go to follow him. The sugar cane rustles, and the voices tell you to go deeper into the field. And everyone is stressed out and doesn't have time to go find your ass. So just remember, a missing persons report might not be filed until January. So just stay your little happy ass inside, or at least on the porch. I'll stay inside. Well, we love all y'all, and that was y'all weekly horoscopes. And we'll be right back with you with the unholy matrimony story. But before we go, I want to give you a little bit of our social media information. Oh, oh yeah. Fine. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter at A Shudders. That's A S U S H U D D E R S. Our Instagram is Open Shudders Podcast. Our, it's, yeah, at Open Shudders Podcast. You got to put that little at sign in front of it. Our Facebook site is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Uh, we will continue on in just a few with Unholy Matrimony. This is... It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it that you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why. This, this, is is this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't awesome. agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo, some are just... Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. All right, Philip, we're back. We're back. Now, our story tonight 
is another New Orleans case. It happened right here in New Orleans, and it's called Unholy Matrimony, Sam Corey, Jim Giesick, and the Senseless Murder of Patricia Giesick. Now, Unholy Matrimony is the title of a book that John Dillman, who was a former New Orleans police homicide detective. That was the, the title of the book that he wrote, which I read. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Not COVID. Something just went down the wrong way. The Rona? <laughs> just no, 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 no. Uh, he, uh, he wrote this book about the case in 1986. In 1988, it was made into a TV movie, which really should be ignored. Because <clears throat> it really did all kinds of really stupid things with it. It starred Patrick Duffy, who was really good in it, <clears throat> and Charles Durning, who was really good, and Alexandra Powers. But anyway, we'll get more to that later. I'm using that title because I just think it's so perfect, and John Dillman somebody we're going to be talking about a whole lot in this podcast. So I'm going to start our story on January 16th, 1974, when there was a newlywed couple on their, on their honeymoon. They were, they were from Texas, and they were on their way here to Florida. They were getting ready to take a honeymoon cruise. And they were out feeding the ducks on Mishu Boulevard. Oh, Mishu Boulevard. I love it. They got a good little uh, Vietnamese restaurant out there. Yeah, this was before that, though. This is 1974. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is, is before we had... This is Village de l'Est, as it was called yes. back then. Yeah. And um, she was running to the car, and according to the news story, she said she wanted to race him. And when she ran across the street, a car hit her, and she was killed. And uh, there was a big human interest story, and poor, and poor Jim, her husband, was on television crying about how he, made, he finally meets the love of his life, and they're on their honeymoon, and they're killed, and everything. Oh, we just, our hearts went out to this poor man. Mm. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story than meets the eye. As there always is, right? Yes, there is. A couple of weeks later, the NOPD got a letter from, uh, I'm going to call her Trish from now on, because her name was Patricia, but everybody called her Trish. They got a letter from Trish's mother and father saying that they didn't believe that she was killed in an accident. They thought that there was foul play. And the, um, the, the, the police chief gave it over to this very young detective, John Dillman, who had just been promoted to detective. And you know they give, this was a routine hit and run. Uh, parents will always say they're suspicious when their child gets killed, you know. So they gave it to this, feeling, figuring, you know, he was going to just talk to him and everything was going to be okay and hunky-dory. Um, yes, they were going to Florida. They just came through Louisiana on the way to Florida. They, uh, they were going to catch a cruise in Miami. That's what their honeymoon was. So anyway... the love boat? <laughs> yeah, the love boat. Yeah, that was the era of the love boat, huh? So anyway... Uh, Detective Dillman decides he's going to, you know, pacify the parents, and he gets to requisition a plane ticket to New Jersey to talk to, to, to go to the girls' funerals. Show that we here in New Orleans care about people who get killed on our streets. Who's that? Yeah, we do, don't we? We do. All of them. Many of them. <laughs> anyway, he gets to the, to the funeral, and he notices something really odd. The mm. husband's not at the funeral. Now, you now listen to me, Philip. Don't you think that if you are on your honeymoon and your spouse gets killed in a hit-and-run accident, 
You're going to go to the funeral, aren't they? Right. I mean, even even if you were even if you were you know doing something nefarious, you still want to show up. You still want to at least have the appearance that well, you're grieving. Of course, but he doesn't even show up. Dumbass. He did notice that there was a guy, a really big man in like a Catholic priest outfit, and he was collecting money to do a prayer for, for, for Trish, to give, do a prayer mass. He thought that was a little strange, too. More, more on that later. So John decides he wants to you know, have a little interview with, with Jim Giesick. Claudius James Giesick is the guy's name. So he starts doing a little bit. He calls Giesick, leaves messages. Giesick never returns his call. Weeks go by. He doesn't return his call. So Detective Bill, Dillman gets a little suspicious, and he starts looking into other things. So he just, he, Detective Dillman wants to go to Dallas, Texas, where, where Trish and Jim were from, and talk to some people who knew him. But the, uh, that OPD still thought this was a routine hit and run, and they would not go on the requisition any money. So Detective Dillman went to his wife, Diane, and asked what she thought he should do. And Diane told him, she says, I think this smells fishy. She says, we're going to pay for your ticket to Dallas to go talk to some people, to go talk to her friends and her neighbors and stuff, and see if you can find Giesick in person. So he flies to Dallas, and he, he talks to some of her neighbors, and it turns out that Trish was living in New Jersey. She was in love with this guy. He was a, a doctor of some kind or a med student. And the guy moves to Dallas, and she follows him. Well, they lived together for a little while, but things didn't really work out that well. And the guy leaves and leaves her holding a bag in a very expensive apartment. Mm. Poor girl doesn't know what she's going to do. She doesn't really have a whole lot of skills. She's, you know, she, she went to high school. She didn't have any college training. She didn't have any... And she was from a small town. So yeah, this is a small I, I, town girl heading to the big, a big city. And an only child raised by older parents who were very, very, very protective and... Not really strict, but they were very overprotective of her. Which sometimes that can be a double-edged sword because then your child doesn't know how to survive in the real world. And she's changing a whole region, too. So even if she's from a small town, she's leaving the East Coast to go down to the Texas. Yeah, it's a total culture totally shock. Totally different world. Yeah. Yeah. So Trish, uh, she, she gets a job at a carpet company. She had a, a, other several little jobs. They never worked out. She wasn't really made for the workforce. She was, she was the housewife, mother... She would have made a really good Donna Reed because she was a real cook and cleaning. And but you still have to give her credit. I mean, she was making the most from what she had and yeah. where she was at. And in- this is 1973. Right. In 1973, my mom tried to get an apartment in a building in Chalmette, and they did not vo- uh, rent to divorced women. So you saw what your own mother, a single yeah. mom, had to go through. So and, imagine what this young lady was going and through. And not long before that, a, a, a single or a divorced woman could not get credit. You couldn't, if you bought a car, if you had never been married, you had to buy it in your father's name. Not even your mother's name, your father's name. If you, if you had been married, you had to, your ex-husband had to buy the car for you. you had, even if it was your money, Thank goodness you had to put it change. in his name. Thank so goodness. this girl, and they, she was probably prepped to be a wife and mother. I'm sure, you know, that, that, you know, they sent her to school and she graduated high school. But I'm sure they didn't expect her to be a career girl. So she winds up, uh, one of them tells her that, yeah, she got a job and one of Sam Corey's massage parlors. 
So this thing goes, he's, you know, Detective Dillman's, where did I hear this before? Who is Sam Corey? So he starts digging in. It turns out that Sam Corey, now this guy, we could do a whole podcast about him by himself. I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background here. He is a, he's a preacher and he owns massage parlors. This is sound kind of... Oh my goodness, that is a mess. <laughs> Sounds like something you'd see in Vegas, right? Right. So but he, this was Dallas. <laughs> this is Dallas. So, so Sam Corey also was a former brother. And he was a teacher in a Catholic school. And one, uh, I found this from reading a review of Detective Dillman's book. He was one of the meanest. He was, he was beyond strict to the kids. He would do terrible things to them, like make them just look straight ahead. And if one of them's eyes would dart a certain way, he'd beat them mm. with a stick. And he was considered, everybody was, was deathly afraid of him. Um, I don't know how, uh, but being this man was so abusive to these boys, it kind of makes me wonder if maybe there wasn't a little sexual abuse there too. I don't know for sure, so I can't say. Right. Really, there may have though. been, but um, so then he looked up some, found out some other things about him. He ran for mayor of San Antonio, Texas. Because he was based in San Antonio, but he also owned massage parlors in Dallas, too. That's because all that money was in Dallas. And <laughs> then when he looks up, looks, looks more into it, Detective Dillman finds out that Corey was the minister that married Trish and Jim. Oh, my goodness. And this started, red flags start going up all over the place. So... He starts getting more background on Corey. He, I'm sure he found out about the, the Catholic school stuff. I'm sure he, he found out about the mayor stuff. He ran for mayor of San Antonio on some weird free love ticket or something like that. You okay. And he, one of his promises is that a bikini-clad uh, woman would be driving all the city limos, driving the council people and everything. And he used to give interviews from the massage table with... Naked with a towel on him, oh, and had to take the. I mean, the guy is really. I mean, it was it was total sleaze yeah. and sleaze, yeah. sleaze city. So Detective Dillman says, "I got to talk to this guy." So he decides he's going to have him take a polygraph. He wants Gizek to take one, but Gizek he still can't get in touch with Gizek. Gizek's ghosted him. Ah, that's a big red flag right there, too. Exactly. So he finally gets Sam to agree to come in. And do a polygraph test. I think they did it in Dallas. And he said that he was nervous. And the guy weighed like over 300 pounds. He said he was so nervous he was sweating profusely. He said he was admitting this odor that was akin to sour milk. Whoa. So now, that, now that's, inter that, well, that's interesting. Because um, they found that there's a possibility like some psychoses. And people can actually change the body chemistry enough to where the scent of somebody can be... Like, have a weird off, maybe even sour milk smell. If you want yeah, to. so that's quite possible. Even that could have been a sign of something. Well, that's well. He took it as he he, he thought all this was strange, and that he was the the the, the minister that married these two people, and the girl winds up getting killed. So he does some more and more and more digging all over the place. He finds out that Sam Corey was in New Orleans when the hit and run happened. Oh snap! Staying in a hotel right next door to them. Oh. 
So Trish's mom said that Trish called when Trish had called her a few hours before the accident and said that she was a little bit worried because Jim had taken out a lot of life insurance on her and life and the insurance turned out to be like four hundred thousand dollars, which in today's money comes to like. Uh, one million seven hundred thousand, almost, so almost two million, two, almost oh, wow. two million so dollars. That was big money back then. So okay, when insurance gets involved, the cops will get involved. So Detective Dillman goes to some insurance companies. It turns out he goes to a um, and oh by the way, Sam Corey flunked the polygraph. Okay, to add, so, add that in there. So that's more red flags. Which back then polygraphs had to hold more weight when. We didn't have DNA as strong. Yeah, and you can't, you, you couldn't use them in court, but they still, you know, they the they, perception. Yeah, it, it, the court uh, of public opinion. And P, a lot of times, people when they're worried that they're gonna flunk this, and when they're lying, they it, it, it'll show up as deception on a polygraph. They're not foolproof at all. But anyway, so uh, back to this. So he goes, he finds out one of the places where they went to buy life insurance. They bought like all these different policies that added up to $400,000. And one place they went was the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And really? He, and he went and talked to the insurance agents at the airport. And what was really strange is he said, yeah, he says it was a, he showed the picture of, of Trish. And he said, yeah, that's the lady. He said, showed the picture of, of Jim, of Giesig. That's the husband. He says, and there was some big fat guy with him. So wait, this was a common practice back then to have the insurance at the airport. I, I'm not, yeah, they used they to, don't have this anymore. They though, used they to sell insurance, out. flight insurance, especially on the airport. Okay, and he said they were all asking about hit and run accidents. Wow, so, uh, if, how much? Because it was like a double indemnity on a hit and run accident. So. Okay, so now he really wants. Yeah, because most people would be asking about plane crashes, probably more in an airport, yeah, than in a, than a car accident. So the name uh, Dr. Charles Gilliam comes up, and it turns out that's the name that was the, the hotel room where where Gizek and, and mm. Trish stayed was 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 registered under, and he's uh, Detective Dillman wants to find out who that is. He can't find Gizek anyway, so he he looks in the Dallas phone book. And finds you know Charles, Dr. Charles Gulliam, and he calls the phone. The lady answers, and she's she's Mrs. Gulliam, and she says, uh, "Do you know he? Asks, Do you know Jim Gizek?" She, you know, oh, I never heard of him. So he's okay. She figures later in this story too. So um, finally, he's getting ready. He he, he finally the, the police department is, is uh, they see that Dillman's on to something and they see so starting more to add up a little bit. Yeah, he's <laughs> starting to get more resources and he's given the partner and everything like that. And um, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he gets a call. And guess who? Who? Gizek. Gizek himself. Gizek himself. And he says, I have a lot to tell you. But oh, he, he was feeling the heat. He yeah, was feeling well, he, the heat. yeah, he was feeling the heat. He says, I have a lot to tell you. He says, and I can give you Sam Corey. He mm. says, but I have to get a plea bargain. Well, they, they couldn't get Corey without, without some testimony. So they gave him the plea bargain. So he comes in and he interviews him. And this boy sings like a canary. It turns out that he and, Guy, he and Corey met each other when they had an automobile accident. And Corey came up with the idea, because Corey was wrong in the accident, and Giesek, Giesek was the right, right party. He had, he had his crooked doctor say that Giesek was hurt 
a lot worse than he was, and upped the insurance pay, uh, payment, and then he he took like seventy five percent of it. No, of course. <laughs> so they start doing this regularly. Since Gizek lived under all these different aliases and he had all these different identities, they would rent a car. Corey would have an accident with him. They collect insurance. Corey would take the biggest, the lion's share of the of the premium, of the payoff. Hmm. So um, he gives him everything. So he says that on the uh, what it is is poor Trish. She was a very, very naive girl. And she, she, when she went to work in that massage parlor, she didn't know what it was. She thought it was, all she had to do was give massages. She didn't realize it was a brothel. And somebody, a, a customer had asked her for a happy ending. She didn't know what that was. And mm. when she told her what it was, she ran screaming from the massage table. Oh, goodness. And who happens to be there, a Corey and Gizek. So Corey and Gizek had a little, were plotting a little, hatching a little plot of their own. So it's a wrong place, yeah. wrong time. Poor baby was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people there, and they had decided they really could have a really big score if Gizek was to marry a young girl, and they had found a, a young girl who was who appeared they to be naive it, enough. Yeah, naive yeah. enough. They 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 said stupid enough. He would marry a young girl, and kill her. And collect life insurance. Mm. So, when they saw Trish running from there, she didn't know what she was supposed to be doing. They said, ah, she's the one. So, Giza courts her. He starts taking her out to dinner. He starts bringing her flowers. And he just proposes marriage that even though this girl really wanted a husband badly, she was even a little bit, huh, suspicious. Yeah, something. (laughs) But she married him anyway. Because she wanted a husband and she wanted children. And they they decided he bought a brand new car, a brand new Chevy Monte Carlo, a 1974 Chevy Monte Carlo. And they drove from Dallas into Louisiana and they came and stayed in New Orleans, in New Orleans East on Chef Highway, right near Michoud Boulevard, that area, in the motel. And Giesick said there was something wrong with the car. He was going to bring it back. He brings it back to a dealership. They said nothing was wrong with it. He insisted. So they gave him a loaner and a rental car they gave him. So she doesn't know anything about they're not having a car. She thinks the car is in the shop. She doesn't know anything about the rental car, which is really suspicious because in the news story, when she gets killed, he said she wanted to race him to the car. And when the police came, he said, that's my car over there. It was parked in the parking lot across the street from the pond. So, yeah, that, but, but they didn't pick up on that yet. Hmm. So he says that when he, he they, went, they walked from this motel to this little bridge and little pond with ducks to feed the ducks. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been to that area, that was not a pleasant walk. They probably were walking on gravel. It was. It wasn't a. Clo- it wasn't really close. It's. It's like. It's still it's, way out there. In it's the, in way, the it's <laughs> way out, and they, the way they had to walk to was a good half mile. And it's not somewhere like you're taking a pleasant little walk, or they're walking through the French Quarter, or they're walking around the, the the Garden District, or anything. This is like. This isn't a really it, pleasant. What season was this? Was this like this fall? Is January. Winter? Okay, well, winter might have been a little more bearable. So was, Definitely, you wouldn't be doing that in July. And so all. this it was like, <laughs> two, uh, like like two o'clock in the morning when the accident happened. Right. So um, 
when he got there, they fed the ducks, and they were getting, when they were crossing the street, he gave a little signal to Sam Corey, and Sam Corey blinked the lights. When they cross in the street, the car starts coming, and he pushes poor Trisha in the way of the car. Ugh. The car rolled over her head mm. and her hips, uh, really crushing, but she still managed to hang on for nine hours after oh, that. God, Yana would have wished to go right then, not, ooh, hanging on for nine hours. So night. she, uh, they're at the, um, they're in the hotel, having breakfast in the hotel, in the little hotel diner, when the priest finally comes up to let them know, a priest comes in and lets them know that, that Trish died. And when they walked away and they didn't think anybody was around, one of the desk clerks happened to look over and he saw him jumping up and down and dancing a little jig because the girl died. So yeah, anyway. got their payday now. Apparently. So Doc, Detective Dillman can indict him now. He's got Giesig, but all he's got is a testimony of a murderer. That's not going to do any good. No, you just have to have proof to track Yeah, it. so he's got to find some physical proof. Two quarries. So he's trying to find out, find the car that was used. So they really went through, they went to the, to the car rental agency. I'm not even going to mention the name of the car rental agency. It still do, exists today. Right. <laughs> but they went to this car rental agency where they had gotten the car, and they finally found the 1974 Impala. Of course, it had already been vacuumed and cleaned, so there's no physical evidence in the car itself, no fingerprints. They didn't have DNA back then. But they put the car on the racks, on a lift, and they found hair. And the hair was uh, like a 98% match to Trisha's hair. That, but at this point, her body had already been buried, though, right? Yeah, but they exhumed so her they body, exhumed they got a hair get, sa- get a hair sample. I mean, back then, you could, you could, you, back then, you may not have DNA, but you could compare hair. Well, they had compared hair the hair, but they didn't have DNA. I'm looking, kind of looking for the, um... Yeah, there was like little traits that could go off of like color and. The, the, well, yeah, she had strawberry blonde hair. Uh, it was May thirteenth, nineteen seventy five. Uh, the blank car, the one Giesek had rented at the airport the night before the murder, arrived back in New Orleans. A thorough inspection revealed two non-each strands of human hair wrapped around and embedded in a spot of grease on the tire ride near the front tire. Dillman sent these hair to FBI crime lab in order to sustain samples of Patricia's hair to compare to those in the car. Dillman went to New Jersey where she had been buried near her parents' home, obtained a court order, and had her body exhumed. He took samples of her hair and sent them to the FBI. Hair, unlike fingerprints, uh, does not have enough unique characteristics for one to say with certainty that it comes from a particular person. But there are some 15 different traits by which hairs can be compared among them. Color, texture, oil, type, scales, and various others. The hairs on the car, which had been crushed and ripped from the scalp, as they would have in an accident, Mm. matched Patricia's hair in all 15 characteristics. So he found his murder weapon. He found his physical evidence. So, of course, what happens is, is they indict and try... Both Sam Corey and Giesig. Well, Giesig pleads guilty. He testifies in, in, at Corey's trial. His wife also testifies. And the DA asks her if she knew that they were planning the murder. And she said she did. The police came right up and arrested her on the stand. Needed to. She wound up getting away with it because a part of 
his plea bargain and everything. And they, they, they kind of, they pretty much let her go. She got away with it. Giza got away with 21 years. Now, Corey got the death penalty. Yeah. He, um, but about a year later, they, somehow or another, death penalties for crimes like that were considered to be unconstitutional. So they, he, they reduced his sentence down to life imprisonment. And he never got out of prison. He, he, he tried for parole a few times. He couldn't get out. And on the, here it is, Juju. March 17th, 1995, he died in prison of natural causes. Gizek, Gizek got out. Now, last I heard of him, and I'll tell you about the movie on holy matrimony, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. I was on the internet movie database. It was some reviews for the na uh, Unholy Matrimony, and some people who knew Giesick had written some some of the reviews. And it seems like in 2006 he was working in a computer company. Really? So he was still. Okay. And he was, yeah, he was back in Texas. Well, that's right. He, he was, was young. He was working in a computer company, but after that, there's no sign of what happened to him at all. I don't know if he's still alive or not or what. He would be in his 70s now. Oh, okay. And. Um, Sam Corey would have been would have been almost ninety. I'm not sure what he died from, but if you get a good look at him, I'll show you some pictures. I think I showed you these pictures, but um, I want to show you some pictures. I'm going to post these on our Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Now, where are you? I'm looking for your Facebook Messenger page. Those pictures I showed you, and uh, where are you at, Philip? You can't find me? I can't find you. Are you the first one on there? Okay. There you go. Now look at look look at Corey. He doesn't look healthy, does he? No. I mean he probably was heavy drinking. That's Patricia. Beautiful girl, huh? Just sad, tragic. They, I mean, they, it's robbed, really, her, they really, robbed her of a full life. This girl should be doting on her grandchildren right now. Should and be. this is Gizek. And what was so special about him that she would like him? Mm. He is not cute at all. <laughs> He's really not. He, now, okay, I want to get to, like we did about Delphine last, last week, or two weeks ago, rather. Do you think both Sam and Gizek were evil? Yeah, they were evil. They were definitely both evil, but probably <laughs> in different ways. And actually, we do need to actually clarify... Uh, something we were talking about on that Lollary episode, which very much we have to apply to to this unholy matrimony yeah. episode, which is that whole idea of the psychopath and the sociopath. Yeah. So to clarify and make it very simple for y'all, psychopaths are born and sociopaths are made. Yeah. So what does that mean is that the psychopath has the genetics or something inherent that... Gives them this way that they are just primarily ingrained that way to be that way. And that seems like Sam. Yeah, so it's like born evil. Yeah. Born that way. Now, sociopath, on the other hand, is made saying the environmental things, maybe abuse as a child, certain traumas, economic hardships, all kinds of things like that could add up as environmental stimulus to turn that person yeah. Into that sociopath. Or even though it seemed to me like like Giesig was very much a follower. 
because it, it's all, it was almost like a, a dominant submissive relationship. And he had to learn that somewhere. That had so that's what makes him more of a sociopath. I, I couldn't find a whole lot about either one of them's childhood, but I'm imagining Gizek was he, he was a follower. He may have had, but he was also a con man, and it seemed like he you know. He didn't like work in a real job. He loved pretending he was different people. So he had, you know, but Corey was just, he was so narcissistic. But both clearly antisocial personalities. But it's real, oh, both of them. And it was really, uh, what I find very chilling about this case is just the way this girl who's never did them anything, who they didn't know, who they had no reason to want to hurt, that they could kill her in so in cold blood like that. Well, they once again for clear, money. They, if you look at the rest of their life, they only looked at women as property. They were totally dehumanizing in every which way they could. Yeah, because because Gizek's a bigamist. The whole massage parlor setup. Yeah, that isn't thinking about. That isn't thinking about the none of no, that. No, he's just a big old person. None really. of it was regulated. They weren't getting any health care. They weren't probably getting paid that well. You know, so there were things that, you know, and I'm all about sex industry workers, but they need to be treated properly. Well, I think, you know, I like, uh, I like Storyville. I'm all for like a legal red light district. And I don't think there's anything wrong with sex workers. But this man was an exploiter. Yes. And and not only was he using these women for money, he was using them for sex, too. Exactly. You know, because they he, were, he felt like he owned them and used them for whatever. And the ultimate owning was they owned Trish as a dollar sign value. How much they could kill her off and bank and pocket that money. Yeah. And the, the thing I hate is uh, the, the thing that really creeps me out that makes me want to. I mean, it really makes me want to jump and stomp on both of their faces till they're bloody pulp. Is the way they danced that little jig and jumped up and down were happy when they found out the girl's killed. This is somebody's daughter, you doofus. Yeah, they gave people no love this girl. It just but they, it didn't matter to them. They, they probably didn't. don't care about their own. They wouldn't care about their own kids, their own uh, and, and and this whole family. idea probably for them. This idea of getting this money was so that they could just go exploit more women. So I'm glad they did get caught because... Well, they were stupid. Otherwise, there would have been probably more Trishas. Yeah, and they were stupid. They left so many uh, loose ends, and it just... I know, for as elaborate as the plan, I can't believe how dumb they were, though. I got, I got to go put, Even though it's a very tragic thing, I do have to say, they were some real dumbasses. They are dumbasses. And, you know, to me, they, they, they the worst fucking piece of shit slime... And I hope Gizek is dead, if he's not. And if you listen to this, you really ought to burn in hell. And I hope Sam Curry is burning in hell. And if he can hear me right now, burn in hell. I'm sure they. I'm sure it. they will, or they are. Yes. Oh, that's this case. Like this took a lot out of me. This is really. This was a really. A it was hard intense. One. I'd never known it. This was before, well before I was born. This, it, yeah. this, this was actually in my parents' era. So well, I remember is, this. You see, I was in high school. I was, uh, I think, like a sophomore in high school. And one, one of the things I remember is, is that there were two Patricias in the news at this time. She was Patricia Gizek, but you know who else was in the news was Patricia Hurst. Oh, that of was, course, everybody. The Patricia knows that, yeah. Hurst <laughs> kidnapping happened right around this time. I'm not sure if it was right before, or right after this. So both these Patricias were in the news at the same time. 
Oh, Lord. Now, that's you guys. Uh, if you can find a copy of Unholy Matrimony, uh, Detective Dillman's book, it goes into great detail. And we found a really good article on um, online that we got a lot of information from. I think it's called the... the what was it called? Let me see. I know it's in here somewhere. Was it in Texas Monthly? It was in the Texas Monthly. It's a 1970... It's actually a very old article, yeah. 1976 article. Now, now, warning, when you read it, I mean, it's, it's gonna, you have to keep it in the time frame of the 1970s. It was written in, so there may be some things that seem a little weird in how they're writing or how they're portraying Trish. Oh, there it is. It's called The Girl, The Con Man, and The Massage Parlor King. I don't like the way they portrayed Trish in it. They almost did a blame the victim thing. They had her looking like, like some kind of stupid goofball girl and... They were re- they really were. It, it, she wasn't portrayed very nicely at all, and I think that she was she deserved better than that. Yeah, I really do. I didn't care for how she was portrayed. Uh, if you want to see, uh, you it really if you could get a, a copy of Detective Dillman's book, go for it because it's really a, a really good read. It, it's a fast read. He he's thorough. He goes through it. He doesn't he doesn't drag on to different things like that, and it's. Um, it's really a really good book. It's out of print right now. That's the problem. I did try to get in touch with Detective Dillman and see if he wanted to be interviewed for this or anything. But he, he obviously, I guess he's laying low. He does, he, he's probably tired of the spotlight and just, leave, just living. You know, he's in his 70s now. He probably doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And he did his job back then. He, he did deserves, his job. He deserves whatever. And Detective Dillman, if you ever hear this, I want you to know I consider you a hero. Thank you. I consider you Definitely. one of the biggest heroes I've ever known. You're Superman in my book. Now, before we go, I want to go through our um, social media again. You can follow us on Twitter at A Shutters. Our Instagram is Open Shutters Podcast, at Open Shutters Podcast. And our Facebook page is Official Page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. We have another Facebook page, but it's a private one. You have to be friends with either me or Philip to get into it. True. <laughs> so, anyway, um, hey, you guys have a great day. Next week, we're going to be, next week, we're doing a story on one of the most evil cops that ever lived. Ooh. And it's another New Orleans story, And too. we'll have some holiday. And you know uh, what her ho- name is? Cause... You know what her name is? Antoinette Frank. Ooh. You remember that one? A little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, well, it's also set in New Orleans East, which is really strange. And the weekend after that, it's we're going to leave New Orleans for our last series of Pure Evil. Uh, it's uh, Gertrude Brent Kasky and the murder of Sylvia Likens. That's a, this one's a really creepy one. That's going to get to you too. Mm. All right, you guys, we love you and enjoy the open shutters. But, but don't fall out the window. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.